Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au. mighty God. You are awesome in this mighty place. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Father, we just invite you afresh to speak to us. We desire to hear from you today. We desire desire to encounter you afresh. So we just say, speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. We're listening. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. As you take your seats, give someone a free smile. (laughs) Something that we can all give, and it's free. And do you know sometimes it's something as small as that that can be a blessing to someone? Smile at people in the supermarket. Smile at them in the bank. You know, I love sometimes doing a little test with people, just randomly smiling at people, and some people just go, like, look away. What was that? (laughs) Uh, And others just, you can see their face just light up, and they're just like, oh, how lovely. (laughs) So this morning we're continuing the series of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and Pastor Tony and Patsy asked Jeff and I to share on the fruit of the Spirit of faithfulness. So it's our privilege to do that this morning. And so Jeff and I are going to share this time together. And um, I'm going to look at four things and then Jeff will build on that. So I'm going to look at what is faithfulness, firstly, why it's so important to God and to believers, how do we get it, and then how do we demonstrate it. So what is faithfulness? You know, I find sometimes it's important to look at words that we've become familiar with so that we don't limit our insight or our revelation of those words. Um, The word faithfulness is not a word that's used a lot in our everyday language. Um, It seems to be more limited to perhaps, you know, a spiritual or religious context. I mean, people you might call a friend, a faithful friend. Uh, People will sort of jokingly say, my faithful old, you know, comfy shoes or... But it's not really a, a word, is it, that's in sort of everyday common language. So thank you, dictionary.com, for providing me with this great wisdom that it is an adjective, which is a describing word. I think it can also probably be used as a noun, a naming word. But what it means is to be true to one's word, promises, vows, steady and consistent in allegiance or affection, loyal, constant, reliable, trusted and believed. There used to be an old saying, A man's word is his bond. We probably don't hear that so much these days. We had a beautiful old friend who was of that senior generation in his 80s and he used to say, if a man's word's no good, the man's no good. (laughs) Now that sounds really strong, doesn't it, by today's kind of values and standards. But he was basically saying that if a man's not trustworthy in his word, he's probably not trustworthy in his integrity and so he couldn't rely on him. Jesus actually said in Matthew 5.37, just let your yes be yes, let your no be no. I mean, that's pretty simple, right? We don't have to get complicated about this stuff. So people say things today like, talk is cheap. Have you heard that saying? Talk is cheap. And I think what they probably really mean is that they don't trust human character because God most certainly never intended our talk to be cheap. Quite the opposite. Our words are powerful, as we know. But we live in a society that is no longer undergirded by Christian values and principles. Has anybody noticed this? I mean, it's, it's, we, we live in a time in history, um, and you know, throughout history, if you're a history buff, you'll see that there are these peaks and troughs. Um, but we are at the moment in a time in history where Christian values are just, you know, people are moving back away from those embracing all kinds of other values and beliefs but we are certainly not in a society where Christian principles undergird our society. So I want to look at a few synonyms and antonyms. Synonyms are words that mean the same thing because again I just want to broaden our understanding of the word faithful. So synonyms 
other words that mean the same thing are fidelity, allegiance, constancy, loyalty, that was in the definition, truth, dependability, and trustworthiness. Antonyms, so the opposite of faithfulness are things like disregard, falseness, inconsistency, disloyalty, dishonesty, unreliability, untrustworthiness. So is that sort of helping to just solidify and, and put some more understanding and clarity around the word faithfulness because we're going to go a little bit deeper. So I just wanted to build that framework for it. It's really important to note faithfulness is not a feeling. It's not a feeling. We've talked about love before and we've talked about how love um, is not a feeling. Now, there can be... Um, you know, a benefit of love is definitely a feeling, but the feeling itself is not love. Well, in the same way, faithfulness is not a feeling. And it's also not to be a reflection in our lives of what people do to us or have done to us. You know, oh, they treated me like this, so therefore I'm going to treat them back like that. We see that a lot in um, the world that we live in <laughs> and people that are not believers. It, you know, the whole eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth kind of mentality. So... Matthew 7:12 makes it really clear. It says that we're to do unto others as we would have them to do to us. Isn't that different? So just because someone cuts us off in traffic doesn't mean that we now have the right to do the same thing. We didn't like it when they did that to us, right? We don't like it when people do yucky things to us. And so we have to take responsibility for our own actions and not do what they do. Philippians 2:12 2.12 tells us that we each work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. So what that means is I, I don't get to tell Jeff and, and control Jeff and, and boss Jeff about how he's going to do his relationship with God on any level. He's taking notes. <laughs> That's going to come back to bite me, isn't it? <laughs> At the worst possible time. <laughs> You're a gem, darling. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That means we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account for ourselves and I will not be able to point at anybody who did me wrong. Anybody. Not anybody. No matter how terrible and how wrong and how unjust what they did to me or to us is. So now that we've looked a little bit more at what faithfulness is, let's have a look at why it's so important to God and to believers. Firstly, God is faithful. It's important to him because he is faithful. Lamentations 3 verse 23 in the New King James tells us that great, great is thy faithfulness. I love that it doesn't just say he's faithful. Great. It's more than we could really comprehend or understand or imagine. So the word itself is not enough. Psalm 119.90, the psalmist writes, Your faithfulness, speaking of God, continues from generation to generation. You have established the earth and it stands securely. Isn't that wonderful? With all the doom and gloom that goes on, on the news and, and just in our world around us, we don't have to be unanchored. We know that our God is faithful. Whatever comes, there's a massive cyclone on, off the coast. My boss messaged me on, I think it was Thursday, saying, you know, just be prepared, heads up. We might be closing on Saturday and we might not need you. And, um, and I thought, oh, okay. Well, Saturday came around and it was a beautiful sunny day. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> you know, so we don't have to be drifting off all the time with all the doom and gloom. We're anchored to the faithfulness of God. In Exodus 34, 6, um, Moses is at Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments and the Lord passes by him. And remember, the Lord identified himself to Moses as, I am, I am. And in verse 6, it says, The Lord passed by him and proclaimed, and he's talking about himself, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. You know, that word abounding means teeming, plentiful, abundant, profuse. 
His faithfulness is profuse. It's abounding. It's never ending. We can rest in his faithfulness. You know, it's worthwhile to even, if you're interested, to do a study on the faithfulness of God. There's so many scriptures. And, um, you know, I found it a bit tricky to try and limit just a couple that I wanted to bring out today because there's so many on his faithfulness. So faithfulness is important to God because he is faithful. And it's important to believers because we are created in his image, in his representation, to mirror and to reflect his character, his nature on the earth. It was always his intention and his design. In Genesis 1.27, we're very familiar with this beautiful verse. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That's really clear. Is that not really clear in terms of gender identity and all these kind of issues that are pressing on at us? And it's, you know, it's devastating to see the havoc that the enemy is wreaking on humanity at this point in time, whether it's abortion or whether it's, you know, this identity. So I just want to do a really quick commercial. Patsy had no idea and she most certainly did not ask me to do this, but she has written an incredible book called Engendered. And, you know, this is, this is such an incredible resource. I would love to see it in every school, in every university, in every Bible college. But I'd also love to see it in the hands of us, the saints. Because when I read this, it really brought, you know, a greater breadth and insight and understanding to who we are, who we're created to be as male and female. And I also want to say, you know, talking about faithfulness, and again, this wasn't planned, but God brings faithful people into our lives. And I would really love to honour our beautiful Pastor Jenny Edison, because I know she poured heart and soul into this with Patsy as a faithful friend, as a faithful minister. And so, Pat, uh, could you please just stand representing Patsy as well? And we just want to... We really do have some incredible, incredible people in this house. So get to know each other because you find gold everywhere. You find gold everywhere. It's not fool's gold. It's the real stuff. <laughs> These are fool's gold, just for record. <laughs> so, <laughs> thanks. Someone appreciated my humour. Anyway, so, coming back to it, it was God's plan from the very beginning that we represent him. You know, um, he had this beautiful masterpiece that he created in humanity. And, of course, we know the whole sin story and how that fell apart. But coming back to that, so it's a really tough gig if we try to represent him in our own strength. That's where kind of religion comes in. Do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. It, and it's, it's not going to work. It wasn't meant to. So what's the answer? What's the answer? Well, that's, I'm so glad that you asked. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, brings me to my next point. How do we actually get it? How do we get this thing called faithfulness? This is the exciting part. I have some awesome news for every single person in here that is a born-again Christian that has accepted Jesus Christ into your life as Lord and Saviour. Because we've all heard of natural DNA, right? Yeah. We've heard of DNA and we've got some level of understanding. You know, if people with scientific brains, and I, I know I met this lovely man, American man, I don't think he's here today, cannot see him, but wasn't he a chemist? Anyway, never mind. He'd be able to, like, wax lyrical on DNA, so I'm <laughs> grateful he's actually not here. Um, <laughs> <whew>. <laughs> but DNA stands for deoxyribonucleic acid. That's pretty good for a blonde, just saying. <laughs> so, which very basically, very but Jeff doesn't know, I was up for hours studying it. <laughs> but very basically put, it's a genetic code that every human and almost all living organisms have within us that makes us uniquely us. It's hereditary and it's passed genetically. 
And so when we're born again, the Bible tells us that we pass from spiritual death into eternal life, okay? There's something that happens. Um, In John 5, verse 24, Jesus said these words, "'Most assuredly, I say to you, "'he who hears my word and believes in me who sent me "'has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment.'" but has passed from death to life, okay? And so that's why Jesus, when he was speaking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he explains that the first birth is physical and that there is a second birth that is spiritual. And so when we're physically born, we have this predetermined genetic code within us and it's passed through to us by our natural parents. And the code determines things like hair colour, It gets a bit of help these days, just saying. Um, (laughs) Eye colour, so I don't have to try to have green eyes. That was genetically passed through to me. I don't have to try to be this height. That was, again, put into the genetic code of who I am, the sound of my voice, those kind of things. It's in our DNA. And so this is the awesome part. When we are born again, there is a spiritual DNA that is passed through to us by our Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. This is so exciting. So these, there are these spiritual attributes that the Word calls the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And when we're born again by His Spirit, those attributes are within us. We've got the code for faithfulness. Woo! Hallelujah. And it's in us, as I said, as part of the the Holy Spirit. Now, the wonderful thing is, and I've found that sometimes people have got confused about this one, the fruit of the Holy Spirit isn't determined or limited in our lives according to our personality. People will say, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not that happy, outgoing person. I was painfully shy. I was painfully shy. I was painfully insecure and unconfident. You know, like, it it just, it wouldn't even dawn on me to be doing what I'm doing now. And so, this was awesome um, for me to come to understand this. And see, the, the fruit of the Spirit overrides our personality. Let me explain to you what I mean. I can put water into a glass. I can put water into a saucepan. I can put water into a jug. I can put water into a bucket. Is it still water? It's still water. It's the same with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. God puts his spirit into all different kinds of vessels, but it's still the same spirit. Hallelujah. So we are full of joy. We are full of love. We're full of faith. We're full of faithfulness. We're full of kindness. We're full of gentleness. It's part of who we are in him. And so we don't have to get into works. That's our own efforts to be faithful. We don't have to go there. But what we do need to do is to get into obedience, yielding and cooperation to the word of God and the voice of the Holy Spirit within us. I love how John the Baptist said of Jesus in John 3.30. He said, he must increase and I must decrease. That's our prayer, to become more and more like Christ. He must increase and we must decrease. And what that means is not our personality, our flesh, our will. In um, 1 John 4, 4. Now, actually, I'll go to Galatians 2, 21st. Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. We can't buy into and be deceived into thinking that our personality and our outward experience and our environment and the things that have made us outwardly who we are is who we are. No, we're new creations in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. I've got stuff, you know, we've all got stuff that's been passed down to us through circumstances and families and situations and bad experiences. That's baggage. It's been done away with. We have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Um, The Apostle John wrote in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We need to make that a daily confession over ourselves. And the Apostle Paul again in Philippians 2, 13 says, it is God who works in you to will and to act 
that is to behave, not act as in pretend, but to behave according to his good purpose. So he's on the inside of us, helping us. Do we get it wrong? Yes. Do I get my cranky pants on at Jeff? Yes. Do I say I'm sorry later? Yes. <laughs> Making up's the fun part, guys. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? I better go. <laughs> You're going to want to have a fight now, aren't you? <laughs> so, coming back, getting on track. So if we've already got it, if we've already got it, if we've already got faithfulness, I'm sorry, <laughs> how do we demonstrate and live it? How do we? Like, let's get practical. What does it look like in our everyday lives? At home, at work, at church, even in our private life. Because, you know, our private life is, is different again to our, our closest intersections. So we know that it all starts here. Let's tap our heads. It all starts here in how we think. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And when it says heart there, it's referring to the soul, the mind, the will and the emotions. And so I, I said to you just a moment ago that faithfulness isn't a feeling. It's not a feeling. We're not going to wake up and go, I feel so faithful today. <laughs> it's something that we demonstrate and that we do. And actually, to be brutally honest, our feelings are going to be far more likely to cooperate with our flesh rather than our spirit. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? Don't you wish God had changed that, that when we get born again all of a sudden... Our feelings just want to be so on board with our spirit man. That'd be great because then I would never get cranky at Jeff. <laughs> I'm really throwing you under the bus, aren't I, honey? <laughs> oh, David just said he's used to it. Ouch. <laughs> just as well we're family in here, I tell you. <laughs> So Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 26, 41, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Our spirit wants to do what's right. Our spirit wants to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, but our flesh, unfortunately, gets in the way at times, and that's where we've got to make a decision and know the truth and act on the truth and demonstrate the truth. We can't afford to live our lives governed by feelings that are like a roller coaster. Have you noticed that? You know, I mean, I've had times where I've come away from church and hallelujah, wonderful, you know, and then something else happens. It's like, oh, you know, could clobber someone. And, you know, like, it's, it's just, <laughs> no, not Jeff this time. It was the dog. It was the dog. <laughs> Let you off the hook. <laughs> But, you know, like you just, your feelings go all over the shop. And, and, and oftentimes they're very much linked to circumstances. You know, how is, are circumstances good? We're on the mountain. Are circumstances bad? We're down in the valley. We can't afford to do that. It's, it's a very um, erratic way to do life. But I can guarantee that when we make a commitment to being faithful, circumstances are going to arise to challenge us. Have you ever noticed that when you do commit to something, you commit to turn up and serve in an area, or you commit to lead something, all of a sudden, things start happening. You know, illness might strike your body, or, you know, the car breaks down, or appliance breaks down. Things just start to happen. You know, a relationship can start to go pear-shaped. Uh, you know, crises appear. I've got to tell you, one of my all-time favourite examples of this, um, of someone that was not being very faithful when they told me they can't keep a commitment because they needed to go and walk their dog. True story. This is a true story. Can't turn up, can't come and do what they've committed to do because I've got to go walk the dog and it wasn't you, David. <laughs> He's got a dog and he loves his dog. <laughs> 
Oh, dear. And then at work, another time, this is gold, you're going to love this, um, someone rang up three times in the one year and the same relative died. <laughs> three times! You know, she died, I think it was grandma or something. <laughs> grandma died in January. Lo and behold, grandma died again in June and around November, grandma had another death. And I'm like, I want to meet this incredible woman that just keeps dying and coming back. I mean, <laughs> that's why I wanted to meet her. <laughs> and so, look, if people can't rely on us, God can't rely on us. Really basic. You know, the word tells us, in Matthew 25, 40, and this is Jesus talking, as much as we've done it to the least of the brethren, we've done it unto him. As much as we've done it, he talks about even just giving someone a cup of water. We give someone a cup of water in his name for his glory because we love him, because we're faithful to him and we want to be a blessing to other people. There's a reward in that. But if we are unfaithful to others, We've done it unto him. We've got to stop expecting other people, and this is a real sort of um, strong statement, so please bear with me, but I really felt to put this in here. We've got, to stop, we've got to stop expecting other people to be more than we are willing to be ourselves. I'm going to say it one more time. We've got to stop expecting other people to be more than we are willing to be ourselves. Do you know, Jesus never, ever, never did that. He said, this is the way, walk in it. And he led the way by his personal example. Did you notice that? I'm in the Gospels at the moment and I love the Gospels. I could pretty much park in the Gospels because I get to hang with Jesus in the Gospels. But, you know, that would be kind of a bit of an imbalanced diet. So, <laughs> so I don't park there, but I love the Gospels and I love you know, being with Jesus and, and, and exploring who he was, how he lived, because he modelled what life here on earth as a human being could look like if we were in fellowship with the Father. So we talked about DNA. Natural DNA is represented by what looks like a swirling ladder. I didn't get an image. I'm not as cool as Jeff with those things. And there's these two strands on either side, and so it looks like this swirl. I can't remember, did Paul and Jasmine put that picture up? But it literally looks like a swirling ladder like this with two rungs on either side and then there's the bits that you stand on. And those two bits on the side are called a double helix. And our spiritual DNA, in our spiritual DNA, the double helix, the thing that holds all of the fruit of the Spirit together, is love. It's love. We're to be rooted and grounded, anchored and motivated and compelled by God's love. And so to understand how to apply faithfulness to our lives, let's go back to the definition and the synonyms. We are people who honour our word, we honour our promises, we honour our vows. We keep our commitments in word and in deed, especially when it's inconvenient. Especially when it's inconvenient. Because it will be, because that's the test. We're consistent, we're loyal, we're not real friendly to some people one week and unfriendly the next week, we're consistent. We love people. We love people. Why? Because God loves people. Does he ever wait for us to be perfect? Does he ever wait for any of us to have it all together? No. Just take, just take each other just as we come, warts and all. I mean, we've got our own stuff, you know, so again, to just be representative of him. We're dependable. We're dependable. That means people can rely on us and we're trustworthy. Our word is our bond. Our yes is our yes and our no is our no. Okay, and I'm not talking about getting into legalism. Remember, we work out our own salvation. I am not responsible for Jeff's word. I'm responsible for, to keep my word not anybody else. I don't, you know, get out a yardstick and start measuring up, you know, who's, who's better here. We don't do that. So I just want to leave you with this morning, Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth, said the psalmist, David, and the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto you. 
And I just want to encourage each of us, and I include myself in it, to make a fresh commitment to demonstrate faithfulness in our lives, in our homes, in our families. Our kids need to see that we're faithful, that we keep our word, our, our spouses, our loved ones, our extended family, our employers need to know that we are trustworthy and dependable. We're a witness when we do that. So thank you very much. God bless you. Darling Jeff. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, this is great. I come after Nina and I can pick on her. She's just left it wide open. Uh, she's always a hard act to follow. Nina went through faithfulness and gave us a great definition of what it was. Looked up the dictionary. I, I looked up the dictionary as well, and uh, I also liked a lot of lot of the things that are said. And one of the things that really struck me is faithful, because it can be used in a way when an artist takes a copy of another artist's work, and when they finish that, they judge that and ask, "Is that a faithful?" copy of the original. Isn't that what we should be? A faithful copy of our Heavenly Father and Jesus on this earth? So I really like that point that she made there. So she's given us the definitions. I'm asking myself, knowing sort of where she was going, although I didn't know at all, <laughs> taste all my good stuff. How does faithfulness outwork in my life? What examples can I see in the Bible of people who are faithful? And some immediately come to mind, like Paul who went through trial after trial after trial. And he was faithful right to the end. Joseph comes to mind as well. Joseph, who in his father's house learned to be faithful in the little. So that when he got into a pit, become a slave, he was still faithful to his father, to his God, faithful to his dream, faithful to his vision, no matter what was arrayed against him. He was scrubbing those floors thinking, this is not my dream, but I'm going to do this to the best of my ability because my character is one of faithfulness. That deposit of God and my, my trust in my Father outworks faithfulness in me. And then he goes from a slave to a prison. He's not even going it upwards. He goes back further away from his dream. But what impact did that have on him? Not a bit. Sits there, starts scrubbing his prison. And eventually gets trusted in the prison system. Oh, it blows me away. But I'm not going to focus on Joseph. I've got a completely uh, down a different track. What I'm saying about faithfulness, it takes training. The Bible talks about those who are faithful in little become faithful in much. Those who are dishonest in little, dishonest in much. I've got a scripture verse for you later. So we need to train ourselves. My daughters did some swimming training when they were, when they were uh, early teenage years. And they started swimming up and down that, that pool. And Nina took them most of the time. Occasionally, I, I had to do the, uh, the pool run. And I remember seeing the, the coach talking to the girls and, you know, jump in, swim 400 metres to warm up. I'm thinking, I'll be dead by the time I did 400 metres. And that was just to warm up. And then they started doing their drills. Around about two-thirds of the way through one training session, the coach spoke to a boy, told him to get up, get up and go. And I thought, gee, that was a bit harsh. What was that all about? To give him some lip or... Anyway, so when I went to pick the girls up, I said to the coach, what was that all about? He said, you know what? Practice doesn't make perfect. It's perfect practice makes perfect. And I could see he was getting tired and his stroke was starting to fall apart. I'd rather him get out than practice an imperfect stroke. And this is the sort of thing that we need to do. 
Faithfulness starts in little bits, little areas of faithfulness that gets built up on again and on again. And next thing you know, we come to a major crisis. It's not so much of a major crisis up here because we've been making these little decisions all the way. In football, about to start the footy season, everyone happy about that? All the guys, okay, thank you. Glad to hear some people are. They practice and practice and practice set plays. Because set plays win the game. All of a sudden they'll set up a play, confuse the opposition and go and score a try. And that's what we need to do as well. Spiritually, we need to have our reflex action being the right action. And that's what the fruit of the Spirit is all about. You know, lazy people don't just happen. They're trained as well. They make a little here, little here, little there. Next thing you know, can't get them moving. That's what my wife tells me anyway. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I told you I'd get you back. <laughs> it takes 30 days to get to a habit. And this is, studies have been done. So if you wanted to get a new habit or break a bad habit, you've got to do something or not do something for 30 days. So let's say you want to brush your teeth morning and evening and you haven't been doing that. Don't, I don't want to know. <laughs> you start a program and making sure you remember for one day, then for two days and continue. By the time you've hit 30 days, it's become automated. And faithfulness is the same thing. Everything we do. Anyway, I went through um, our first response. When things happen. The parable of the talents, Jesus uses this line in Matthew 25, 23. So um, a master hands talents out, five, two, and one, and they come back at the end of it, and they say, look what I've done with the talents. In Matthew 25, 23, he said, his Lord said unto him, the one who doubled it, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. In Luke 16.10, it says in the ESV, One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. So, as I said, I look through the Bible and I actually focus on Moses. Because Moses probably had a, a rough beginning. He grew up in the courts of Pharaoh knowing nothing or very little about God in heaven. All of a sudden he realised he was a Jew. And those slaves were his brothers. And he killed a man and had to flee Israel into the backside of a desert for 40 years. 40 years later God speaks to him and he goes in and delivers them through many, many signs and wonders, ten plagues that hit Egypt. Well, I'm going to start in, in Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. And they're exiting Egypt, got the whole pack of Israelites behind him, pillar of cloud in front of them, marching, and they're at the Red Sea. That's where we are. And I want you just to look at as we talk about faithfulness, his actions versus the Israelites' actions. Now, there's a lot of grace here because you've got to remember the Israelites have been under in, in slavery for hundreds of years. So they have a bit of a slavery mentality anyway. All right? So with a bit of grace because I know we can be a bit hard on them. Exodus 14 verse 10 says, As Pharaoh approached... The Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them, the whole army. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians 
than to die in the desert. That's that slave mentality. I just keep doing what I'm doing. I'm not really having fun here, but, you know, at least I'm alive. Moses answered, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the seas to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I'm going to go through to verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground. Now you would have thought by the time they had these ten plagues, they might have had some form of trust and faith in their God to get them through anything. Right? They, they had frogs, they had gnats and biting insects, locusts. Even people died. Water turned into blood. You would have thought they could have trusted their God and be able to put their faith in their God. Yet here they are. Why did you bring us here for? The contrast, Moses in verse 13, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see, you'll never see again. I need to be a bit quicker. So I'm going to bring out five things that Moses does that really brings out faithfulness and how faithfulness was demonstrated in his life. The first thing he says, do not be afraid. Faith, and thereby faithfulness, often gets impeded by fear. We remove that obstacle of fear, then faith can rise. We can see this all the way through in Jesus' life, right? Some people, even today, see the problem and challenges, others see the opportunity. Even in my workplace, if I'm sales, I'm trying to tell them this is, we really should go for this particular client, there's always one. Always one. It's that I'm taking the devil's advocate position. Isn't that an interesting statement? He's taking the devil's advocate position. That's the fear position. Right? We should not be in fear. We should be in faith. We need to see the opportunity in every circumstance. Um, you mentioned Jerry before. When things started to go wrong in his business, he used to get excited because he couldn't wait to see what God would do in that circumstance. Because he was trusting, not in man, but in God. In Jesus' life, what did he do with Jairus' daughter when he went to pray for this girl that had died? He got rid of the mourners first. We need to have that same view. Lazarus, first thing he did was remove the stone. Open the way for God to move. We are hard-pressed, 2 Corinthians 4.18, we are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair. Mark 13.31, heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away. We need to have God's word as our highest form of reality. That's how we become faithful. That's how we know we can stand faithful in the small things and faithful in the big things. The devil tries to get us distracted. You know when the kids are little and you sort of grab their nose and say, look, I've got your nose. Have you ever done that? <laughs> Am I the only cruel one here? Okay. <laughs> And it's so funny, they say, give it back. That's what the devil does to us. He tries to distract us. There's something that's not even true. He will just, look at this. And I'm thinking, huh. And we get fearful. This army coming through caused fear. Man, they've got a pillar of cloud in front of them. God is leading them. Wouldn't you think, that would be a good time to be faithful and say, what's God going to do now? Not, hey, let's go back to Egypt. 
faithfulness believes in people. The fruit of the Spirit in your life, as you get squeezed, what comes out? Faithfulness, love, the fruit of the Spirit, all, all nine of those fruits should come out as we get squeezed because we are constant, because he is constant. The second thing, stand firm. Faith and faithfulness speaks victory, not defeat. We need to change our confession to trust in him in all things and trust in him in everyone around us. Because faithfulness is an outworking gift, not just where we are, but towards other people as well. We need to believe in others. Love always believes the best. Standing firm. I had an uncle that um, had a cancer. And he'd gone into hospital, got a whole thing cut out. And he ended up um, being sewn up and sent to the hospice and saying, you've got two weeks to live. Now, he was, a, he was a man who's grown up in the church, um, uh, served in the church for a long time. Um, after two weeks, he checked himself out and went home. I talked to him four months later, all right? So I said, oh, how's things going? All I could get out of him was how good God was, how he's totally trusting God. He said, you know, if I die, I die. If I don't, I'm just loving God and serving God. What an attitude. The faithfulness that he is totally dependent on God in his life was evident for all to see. Totally amazing. Now, I knew through my mother, who tells me everything, <laughs> that he actually didn't have one cancer. He had two cancers as well. So his prognosis wasn't good. But he didn't care. He was being faithful to his cause. Verse 3. Sorry. Point three, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. How often in our lives we get all into a flap and all we really need to do is to be still. Be still and know that he is God. Be still. The Lord will fight for you. Psalm 112 verse 7 says, Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They'll be remembered forever. They have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast or faithful, trusting in the Lord. Moving on quickly now. Fourth point, lift up your staff, stretch forth your hand. God has given you the tools. Stretch forth your hand. Praise him. I love that song that we sang just before we came on. I, was ho I heard it last Sunday and I thought, I really hope he sings it today. And I actually wrote down the words because I'm not very good at remembering song words. Um, so I wasn't texting in the front row there just in case you're wondering. <laughs> sing a little louder, raise up hallelujah. In the presence of my enemies, my weapon is a melody. Heaven comes to fight for me, louder than my unbelief. Sing in the middle of a storm, louder. Hear the praises roar. Stretch forth your hand. And the sea parted. Faithfulness rejoices and never retires. Number five, faithfulness is always moving forward, not going back. <laughs> the rest of those Israelites wanted to go back to Egypt. Coming back. Faithfulness. If I look at faithfulness where it starts on, and Nina already pointed this out, which is great. Faithfulness starts off in faith. We have this for the very moment of salvation. If I look at the Greek word, the pistis is the Greek word, it actually says faith as is pertaining to salvation is a major part of the um, description, especially reliance upon Christ for salvation. Then it goes to assurance, belief, faith and fidelity. Faithfulness starts in faith. So you could almost say being faithful is actually being full of 
faith. That's the very start of it. We come to realise that John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10.9, it says, If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you'll be saved and you believe that. Faith, without faith it's impossible to please God. In Hebrews 11.6 in the Passion Translation, I love this, and without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith, knowing that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those giving all their passion and strength into seeking him. As we close today, where where are we today? We're going to open up the front for prayer at the end of the service. But if you haven't come to faith, if you want to get into understanding these wonderful fruits of the Holy Spirit and have them manifesting in your life, the first step is coming to Jesus. He's paid so much for you. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess his sins, our sins, if we confess our sins, let's get that one right, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. And not just forgive, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. doesn't matter what we've done. What he's done is so much more. So what I'd like to do is just pray. If any of you want to just come to Jesus, come to our Heavenly Father for the first time, just pray along with me. Everyone will pray. But you pray this in your heart. Pray after me. Heavenly Father. I realize I need you in my life. Right now, I place my faith in Jesus who died for my sins and rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Please forgive me of my sins and bring me into right relationship with you. Thank you for accepting me and giving me eternal life. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, Or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at raymond.org.au.